from the Auto Line Studios. Here is your host, John McElroy. Want to thank you all for joining us on Auto Line this week, where the discussion is going to be all about Buick and GMC. And that's because my special guest for today's show is Duncan Aldred, the vice president of sales for both those brands. And Duncan, welcome to Autoline. Thank this week. you very much. Great to be here. Also joining us today are Michelle Krebs from Auto Trader and Mike Colias from Automotive News. Great having the both of you here as Thanks well. Thanks for having us. Thanks, John. Duncan, sounds like you got the easiest job in the year. I'm looking at the sales figures. I see Buick sales are up more than 8% this year. GMC is up 10%. The overall market is up about 5 You're gaining market share. What a, what a cakewalk, eh? <laughs> well, I'm sure it's not that case. But what's your outlook for the, the rest of the year in sales and the momentum of your brands? Well, we, we expect the momentum to continue through the year end. Obviously, just a couple of months uh, to go after October. And uh, we, we show no signs of slowing down. So it could round off what's been a, a really solid year with good growth on both brands. And then, really, that just sets the platform for what I expect to be another very strong for Buick and for GMC next year. We've also seen this year gasoline prices in the United States declining. How has that impacted either of those brands or has it? Well, I, I think it, it helps, obviously, certainly with the, uh, the crossover and truck portfolio on GMC, uh, with the low interest rate environment we've got as well. It, it really all lends itself to, to growing that segment of the industry. Uh, and with the Sierra uh, on the GMC side, it's really enabled us to, to get real solid growth on, on that product. At Buick, you've got an interesting advertising campaign running, the one where people say, I can't, I don't know which car that is, where are you? And it's, you know, that doesn't look like a Buick. How has that played? What do you, how's that working? This is a Buick, Grandma. It doesn't look like a Buick. That's no Buick! That's what I told him. You can't. It's working phenomenally well. Um, Really, when I came here in March of this year, it was it was pretty clear that we had one fundamental issue left, if you like, on, on Buick to crack, and maybe the hardest one, and that was the brand and to change people's perceptions of the brand. We'd already invested a fortune in getting the dealer facilities right, obviously getting the product portfolio really um, you know, very, very competitive, if not market leading. But really, we needed to change that brand, and um, we tried various things, and it just occurred to me we're going to have to hit this one absolutely head on, smack between the eyes and just call out the issue that, that we know everybody's thinking. And we knew that from research, we knew it from talking to people, and that was that it had an old perception and a perception that it was an older person's brand. So we, we, uh, we gave the agency that challenge, and, and I have to say they came back and did it, I believe, in a very charming way. Uh, often when you're trying to almost call things out like that, it becomes polarizing and, and somewhat shocking, and some people like it, some people not. So I was delighted that we got a very charming execution of that, of that campaign. And it's one we've run since March of this year. We're still running it now. We started with a cross-car line campaign that's broken down into single car line vignettes, which tie back into that storyline. And, uh, and you track all this stuff, uh, obviously, and this is just the best performing ad in the industry, quite frankly. So. Um, we're delighted with it. It's changing perceptions that the success of the ad is, is following into other tracking mechanisms we have about brand image and the likes. So uh, it's doing a great job for us, yeah. And that was really, I think, the last thing we had to crack. So that's helping drive the growth that uh, we mentioned earlier. By contrast, it's interesting to me that GMC has had the same tagline, industrial grade, for a long, long time. Yeah. Professional grade, excuse me. Um, <laughs> I should have got it right, gotten right, that right. But, I mean, it's had that for a long, long time. I mean, I can't think of another brand except maybe BMW that's had the same yeah. one for a long time. That seems to have worked 
all along. Yeah, I, I think part of building successful brands is consistency. You know, there is no doubt about it. So again, coming here and looking at the GMC brand, there is an absolute diamond there. Um, I believe it can be polished up and to be taken to, to new heights, frankly, and that, that's my plan. But, but part of that strength is in the, the consistency of its positioning, its brand positioning. The tagline, we are professional grade, I think says it all. It, it positions it as a cut above the rest, the norm, and, uh, and that resonates with customers. Uh, I think we can take that a lot further going forward, both to drive growth and, and indeed margin to some degree. But, um, but yeah, that's a real strength of, uh, of the brand. And she's right, I think GMC, it seems to have the clearest brand identity of any of the GM, the GM brands. I'm wondering if, if on the Buick side, can you describe, you know, if GMC is this sort of, you know, do-it-yourself type, who gravitates for <laughs> designer brands, I mean, it seems like you guys have that, you know, psychographic of the GMC buyer. Who's the, who's the Buick buyer? I mean, who, who are you guys? Uh, so so you're, you're right, B, uh, GMC, bold, capable, precisely crafted it's very simple you know and I think you can see that the bold design the capability <coughs> of 102 years of, of manufacturing uh, is, is proven and then the precisely crafted nature of the materials and the premium grade materials so very clear that that's what uh, GMC stands for and its customers almost almost mirror image match that with with Buick um, we've got a similarly defined story for us we're, we're operating in a premium space it means that we attract customers out of the mainstream segments who are trying to move up uh, and also people who are in the luxury segments who are very happy to, to have a Buick either as a, a, a garage mate or, or indeed just to, as an alternative. It's something that people should be <coughs> proud to drive you know, wherever, you, wherever you're going. In terms of who that customer is though, it's not somebody who's showy. It's not somebody who, who needs to wear the brand label on, on the outside. It's somebody who's very confident in themselves, in their success that they've achieved. It's somebody who's very inclusive in nature, not exclusive. So, so Buick is by no means an exclusive club. It's not somebody who tries to portray ourselves as, oh, you know, you're gonna have to go miles to get into this Buick exclusivity. It's not that, it's very inclusive but successful and confident um, brand. And then in terms of really what, what it expresses, um, beautiful is at the heart of, of what Buick stands for. And I think the car lines now, the, the range of vehicles that we offer really uh, show that all beautifully sculpted uh, vehicles. Uh, and then quiet and comfortable is, is the other elements of it, something that historically we're known for, um, but something that really is a, a strong customer benefit uh, throughout any age range of, of consumer. Um, and again, coming here and driving these cars, they've got an exceptional ride quality. They, they really have, and they are exceptionally quiet, which makes you think, you know, great, this is a very nice place to be, very relaxing place to be. But then the third element of that, because we're very conscious, we don't want this to be in any way a, a kind of sleepy uh, brand or product, um, is, is spirited performance. And, and what we mean by that is performance when it matters. So again, not excessive horsepower or speed or acceleration, but if you need that for overtaking um, or whether it's about efficiency, you'll have that spirited nature of performance. So that, that's what Buick is, that's the customer type of base and that's how it manifests itself in the product range. Duncan, obviously you spent a lot of your time in Europe. I'm very curious, what's the difference from approaching sales in Europe as opposed to the US? Um, it is different, it is different. And, and of course, uh, when we say Europe, we're, we're talking 27 countries. So each country, frankly, had a different approach. And, and that was, I guess, the biggest difference coming here. It was somewhat of a joy 
to be managing one market with one currency, uh, with one government. Uh, okay, slightly different taxation, but you know the number of things to be concerned about or to try and manage is is much much less. Uh, on the other hand, one of the things that, that I did notice is that we typically went to market with one set of, of offers or incentives, um, which seemed almost too convenient to me. This is a big old place, so <laughs> how can one size fit all? And that's something we've changed up now. We, we regionally approach what, what is right. So very high leasing uh, penetration, for example, in the, the north central, the northeast of the country very high purchase penetration, say, in the, the south central type area. So we, we, we adapted our go-to-market offerings to that, that effect. Um, but that was maybe a little takeaway because, as I say, 27 countries, every country would have specific offers, um, different prices, often different currencies when, uh, when, when you weren't in the euro currency, for example. So that, that's very different. Um, obviously, Europe is was very, very difficult, um, certainly at the, uh, over the past four years or so. Um, improved a little bit this year, but, but it's, it's stalling again now. So uh, it has been a real joy to come to a market that has been growing, growing pretty consistently this year, um, where the transaction prices, the price people are paying for vehicles is on the rise, so people are spending good money on the vehicles as well. It's by no means all about discounting here to drive those sales. Um, so that side of it's great. Um, the, the, the vehicle uh, profile is obviously very different. The, the pickup truck market pretty much doesn't exist in, uh, in Europe, uh, in, in Central Europe, continental Europe. The wagon market is very big out there. They're often the best-selling variants of vehicles where, where here it's, it's pretty rare. Um, so we're just getting used to things like that, you know, different profiles of vehicles, different customer profiles. Um, and and different ways of buying vehicles, I'd say, lease to purchase. But 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 in total, I'd say less complexity, and, and that's great because it allows you to to kind of focus and go deeper into the details uh, when you, when you've not got so much to to try and manage at the same time. Duncan, you you talked about Buick sort of in that space between mainstream and luxury, and I'm wondering yeah. if if that's kind of become a, a tougher place to live in the last few years. I mean, you've got so many of these mainstream brands pushing content up market. I mean. You know, adaptive cruise control and heated steering wheels on mainstream brands. And then at the other end, you've got, you know, Mercedes and Audi coming down into your territory price-wise. How, you, how do you keep those walls from closing in on you? Yeah, it, it's a good question. It's one I, I've often been asked and often was asked it in Europe when I was managing a truly mainstream brand in Opel and, and in the Vauxhall brands, which, which competed at about the same place as Chevrolet does. In this country, and people used to ask, oh, are you getting, is it getting more difficult as the, the luxury brands come down into your territory? Um, and we had a strategy for that. But, but actually here now, managing premium brands, I almost think you have the best of, of all worlds. Because as I, I mentioned before, we have pricing strategies which allow mainstream buyers to, to be able to afford our cars uh, and, and trucks. That's the, the, the strategy we go after. But we've also got that panache of brand and that brand equity where a luxury buyer would be happy to have a GMC or would be happy to have a Buick, which sometimes isn't the case with a mainstream brand. You know, that, that, that exclusive luxury buyer doesn't want a, a mainstream brand and just will not consider it. Um, what we have done and what we've still got work to do is to, is to really truly make Buick and GMC a brand, a brand or two brands that 
that any buyer would would be very happy to to have and to to drive into whether you know no matter what occasion you're going to you'd be happy to drive up in in one of those two brands so that's the advantage i think even in this space where yeah the luxury brands trying to come down or or mainstream brands are trying to content more or, or maybe put more chrome on vehicles to make them look more exclusive or premium but we sit in that space and the other thing i like about it is it is somewhat of a unique space so you know, I really believe we, we, can, we can own that space. We can own that space with two brands. Obviously, we have a dealer network which is, is distributing both of those vehicles. So again, they can get very clearly focused on, on what being what we call premium means, straddling these two other segments. And, um, and obviously, the results this year are so far so good, and, uh, and we plan to build on that. I'm intrigued by what you're saying of taking the GMC brand even more upscale. And in, in looking at the lineup there, one of the vehicles is the Savannah full-size van. Kind of a commercial van. I don't see it premium as all. And yet sales are up 100% so far this year. <laughs> but going forward, uh, how, how are you going to take this brand more upscale than what it is when you have pickup trucks that are selling for $65,000, for example? And have the Denali uh, <clears throat> yeah. trim level, too. Yeah. I, I mean, it's interesting. Again, again in Europe, you come from a place where Mercedes-Benz is one of the biggest, most successful commercial vehicle manufacturers in Europe, and yet at the same time they've got a truly luxury brand. So, you know, I've come from an environment where you can do both um, as long as you, you do it properly and, uh, and you market it and you, you kind of understand that side of the business. So that is a bit of a, it does seem unusual, but, but I also can see it does work. And, and even in that commercial space, you know, some fleet customers, whether it be very big fleet customers or, or smaller um, kind of single uh, owner businesses with a few employees, they often still want the extra little bit of premium that is associated with GMC, uh, whether it be the products uh, that, that we offer or just that little bit of prestige that comes with that brand. They want that to be associated with their company. So it's a nice thing for us. So I, I think you can do both. Well, you have that Denali brand, too, that's almost a brand within your brand. Yeah. Is there something even above that? It's, it's been an incredible success story, uh, Denali, without, frankly, too much of an effort beyond let's make great products, which is always very nice. You know, you hope that great products will always be enough and everything else will take care of itself, but it, it rarely happens. Um, so Denali is now selling about 20% of all GMCs are Denali's, which, which is quite incredible. And... The transaction price, the amount of money that people are paying for these is operating truly in that luxury segment. Um, Yukon Denali's, for example, 70,000 plus, uh, which, which is great. And, and the product you know, really is worth that, fantastic product. So, so again, going back to, to the, the question, how do we take this further? How do we make it a more aspirational brand than it is today? Well, in some ways, it, Denali will be used for that. We're more focused on Denali. Uh, we've worked a lot in terms of increasing our capability to make more Denali's. Uh, demand has been outstripping supply, it's fair to say, for a while. So we've increased our capability there so we can get more on the roads and the more we can see that they advertise themselves. Um, but we are going to also promote it uh, some more. Um, but not just Denali, but the whole GMC uh, brand and the GMC range. I think one of the things I've done here is, again, I, I mentioned it's like a diamond, really, and it's waiting to be polished up. In terms of sales volume this year, we'll do half a million vehicles here in the U.S., which is a, a big number. 
um, the profitability associated that is, is very strong. So for General Motors, this is a, a great a great brand. Um, so it's one that, that we've decided we're going to invest in more heavily, whether it be in, um, uh, in advertising or bringing our story to more people. Uh, so we're working on a campaign that we'll launch next year, which will we'll tell the story, tell the GMC story, position it very much at this premium brand, brand uh, this precision engineered brand, and, and really create it as a, as a more aspirational. I think it's already there, it's already positioned above mainstream, but I think um, you know, with some more intensive effort, let's say, in our communication and brand strategy, and again, consistency, leveraging the professional grade, um, we can really take that on both and grow volume and, and you know, the, the Denali mix. So we're looking at that. That's in process. Very excited. We're obviously looking at several routes at the moment. And uh, the brief was, was basically give us something as good as the Buick campaign, which is uh, um, you know, quite a cross to bear for the agency because, uh, as I say, that's been an exceptional mm -hmm. one. But that's, that's the standard, and that's, that's what we've, uh, we've got to do. And then at the same time and, and longer term, uh, we're looking at products and you know where might the portfolio develop to where uh, any developing segments in the market where we really want GMC to play and there's a big opportunity so I have to say it's a super exciting time for for, for Buick and, and GMC and GMC we, we just got really big plans which uh, is already fun but I can't but wait to to see these unfold and develop very pleased to be leading them. What's your view on both of the product lineups then? Is it, so Buick, I think, now has about five core nameplates, which is a lot more yeah. than you had a few years ago. Yeah. Um, what do you? See, but is there is there a number that makes sense longer term? Is what's missing from the lineup? I mean, how, how do you <coughs> see what you have now at Buick? Yeah, it's uh, and again another very good question because I think five doesn't sound many, but obviously we we distribute the vehicles, our dealerships sell GMC and Buick in, in the main, uh, that, that's been our strategy. So it's five plus then it's the GMCs um, plus all the derivatives of the full-size pickups, etc. So very quickly you get a pretty um, broad showroom uh, to sell from when you're a dealership and I've seen it time and again and it's actually a fact that, that you get to a point of, of, uh, of diminishing returns frankly. I was going to say um, you know, it flatlines that growth, but, but it's, if you go too far, it can actually begin to almost cannibalize itself and everyone gets too confused and the advertising dollars just get spent in, in ways that aren't efficient and, and it just doesn't help. So I'm very happy with a, a portfolio of about five uh, Buicks. Um, clearly, I've looked into the future. I know what's down the line and I'm delighted with what's down the line and how we're shaping um, the, the Buick portfolio, but I'm not desperate any longer to, um, I say any longer because before I got here, I had, uh, you know, I was forming a view that the, the uh, rapid expansion was, was the way to go. I really don't believe that now. I, I think uh, there's a lot to be said for actually doubling down on what you've got and making the most of it. For example, we bring in the Encore, which is a small SUV, a very surprising move for Buick. Um, it is actually the market leader in that segment. Um, it's not often that Buick's been able to say we are the market leader. Now, okay, it's not, there aren't many entrants in that segment today. Uh, there are a number. Uh, next year, it, it gets a lot hotter, the mm -hmm. competition. But not only are we leading that segment in volume, the, the, again, the prices of a Buick, quite understandably for a premium brand, are a lot higher than mainstream. So we're doing it uh, at a good price as well. So 
I think it just shows that when you get the right product and you focus on it, that you can really have tremendous success. Um, so uh, on, uh, Encore has been phenomenal. Enclave continues to be uh, phenomenal. Um, and then obviously the, the sedans that we've got continue to be strong and I guess more in the heartland of what Buick has been known for. But I very much like this that we are, we are creating somewhat of a transformational lineup of vehicles for Buick, which is challenging the perception of what Buick is, as well as all the advertising and the work. I think the substance of the product is, um, is, is different than, than that really traditional perception. So I think yeah. that's good. Happy with it for now, but we shouldn't be surprised if uh, we see something else. In Maybe the like a no, crossover you, called it an envision? Should, should never be surprised. I mean, we, um, yeah, I mean, you've got to keep developing, you know, so... But, but in terms of actual the number of entrants, you know, I, I am not looking to say, hey, we've got five today and in five years we'll have ten. I, I, I don't think that's the, the route for, for Buick. I think it's about finding these real key entrants, trying to be at the start of a trend like Encore was, and then really uh, leverage that first-to-market advantage. So, um, yeah, there's very exciting times ahead uh, as well on the, on, the, uh, on the product front and the development front over a number of years. So, so that, that's exciting. Uh, and then GMC, as I say, we, we're just embarking on, you know, maybe a 10-year journey now where we're saying, hey, how far can we take this, this brand? How far can we take the sales? And uh, what would it need to take that, both in terms of, yeah, the way we go to market, the advertising, the messaging, and indeed the product. So it's, uh, it's fun to be in brainstorm mode just to say, where can we go? What can we do? And that's where we are now. How far can you go with that? And the Denali brand especially. I mean, why not go after uh, Land Rover? And in fact, if you're thinking that way, would you even take the GMC brand outside of the North American market? Well, well it's, um, I mean, first of all, yeah, we, we do see Denali uh, interact with Land Rover. Um, and I believe it does it very well. Um, so that's kind of already there on, on the radar. Um, you know, and in terms of volume, if you just look at the Denali line, it's got some quite astonishing kind of volumes that just as the Denali line, it outsells a lot of brands here in the US, certainly a lot of luxury brands. So it, it does really well. And I, I think it can square up uh, to that. And again, going forward, you know, more emphasis on the product, more emphasis on, uh, on unique detailing and design for the GMC uh, products. Uh, we also sell it, or we sell it obviously around North America, we sell it in the Middle East uh, as well at this point. Um, obviously, the, by far the biggest contributor is here in, in the US. Um, but yeah, so the plans are somewhat limited to here right now, but I see that as a, as a, as a big strength. You know, it's a bit like I said about Europe, managing Europe and, and managing the US. I, it means we can have real focus and do what's right for here without having to worry about what's happening in the rest of the world, we can really focus and tailor that product and to, to the needs of the, the US customer. But by contrast, Buick is getting a lot of its vehicles that are derivatives of what we see in Europe, and its biggest market in, is China. So to me, that's an interesting blend. What's your... Yeah, <clears throat> yeah and, it, and it is, and it's nice having two brands. You know, that, that is a bit of complexity, I guess, but it's nice having two brands that are in different places. Um, and have different opportunities like that. So again, you're absolutely right. Uh, we source vehicles, uh, obviously here in the in the U.S. Like the Enclave is absolutely 
uh, design built, built sell in, in the US and um, but we've looked shared vehicles with um, with Europe as well and and we benefit I think from some of the styling and the engineering that that is associated with with Germany in that regard so I, I think it's great to be here in the home market for Buick and and really leverage the best of what we've got in the US in the biggest market in the world which is China and and in I guess what is regarded by by many as a technological heartland, which is Europe, and and again, you, you, it does afford us the luxury at Buick to to really be able to look at all this and say what makes sense for the U.S. What what are we doing in China with the brand? What are we doing in Europe uh, with the associated brands? And what would make sense here? Um, and I mentioned before about about can we call it white space segments like where the Encore is playing mm -hmm. the small SUV being first in segments because you've got different trends and different timelines in China or, or Europe it does allow you to again be right at the the forefront of some of those and say yeah that would work here maybe the industry and the market hasn't realized it yet but it can work here and we can bring it in quickly um, so that, that's why Buick is again you know, an exciting brand to work with Buick's got a real performance heritage, and I'm just wondering if there's, I know you have the Regal GS, gives you some of that, but is that a direction the brand wants to go, or given Chevy below you and, and Cadillac's more performance oriented now, um, is that not what? Yeah, I, and I, we'll need a quick answer, we're down to the last minute. I don't see it as a key pillar. Um, there's a few things I, I wanted to do you know, where we've got sport derivatives in Europe, et cetera, but unfortunately the, the federalization for the US kind of makes it very, very difficult. So I think it's got a place, but it's not a core place. No more Buick-powered Indy cars is what I'm hearing <laughs> from that. <laughs> Duncan Aldrin, thanks so much for coming in and sharing all this uh, vision that you've got for both Buick and GMC. Very interesting. It's going to be fun watching where you take both those brands. Michelle and Mike want to thank both of you for having come in here, too. And uh, you guys ask good questions. You asked all my best ones. Sorry. That's what I had prepared for. But thanks for coming thanks, in. Thanks, really good. want to thank all of you for having tuned in as well for AutoLine this week.